pardon the interruption, but I'm Pablo Torre. The show is on vacation for two and a half weeks after today, Tony. So what are you going to do with your time off? I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm going to call Wilbon every day with my thoughts on everything and hope he picks up because he doesn't pick yeah. up. And then I'm going to have to just leave voicemails like they go three, four minutes long. Oh. I hope I mean, people understand that you do? are not joking about any of this. That is exactly what you're going to do. No, my other alternative is to stay right here in this seat and wait for the next <laughs> show. I, yeah, I'm a task-oriented person. I do not you relax are. well. Not at all. I've I mean, noticed. Wish I did. Welcome to uh, PTI, boys and girls. Sometimes I get lost on that PTI. I used to think it was part of the impression. I mean, we've been doing it a long enough time. Wilmot got started yeah. on his vacation early, so I'm joined by our great friend with the sketchy sign, Mr. Pablo Torre. That's nice. And we begin again today, Pablo, with conference chaos. Multiple outlets now report the Big Ten is finalizing the addition of Washington and Oregon. And it seems reasonable to anticipate Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah will jump to the Big 12. The Pac-12 is decimated. Next year, the Big Ten will have 18 teams. Pablo, do you see the Big Ten as a football equal to the SEC? I don't, Tony. And I know that there is this Black Friday at a Walmart vibe around the Pac-12. The Big Ten is getting these schools at 50% off. It's about what they're going to get in terms of those TV fees. They're coming in at a discount. I just like to imagine the SEC watching the stampede, the trampling at said Walmart, having done their shopping a long time ago. They got Texas right. and Oklahoma coming after this year. Those are the two biggest acquisitions. They haven't even arrived yet. So to me, I understand that the Big Ten has tonnage. They have the geographic footprint, coast to coast. All of that is so. But give me the comfort and the confidence of the SEC and all of this, let alone the national championships that they've racked up to the Big Ten's count, even with those two teams being added. I, I would love to disagree with this, and, and I don't. I mean, I think the Big Ten has gotten demonstrably better. I think they have added teams of national championship quality, USC sure. and UCLA and Oregon and Washington. Oregon and Washington have been in the playoffs recently, but are they as good as the SEC? No. As you say, the SEC is about to add Texas and Oklahoma, who are championship quality level. And I'm not going to be surprised if they also add Florida State and Clemson, you know, who are That's championship quality level. But it, let's just forget those schools. Let's forget Texas and Oklahoma. Let's forget what I'm even describing, the possibility of Florida State and Clemson. Let's just deal with what the SEC has now. They've won the last four championships. They've won five out of the last six. They've won six out of the last nine and 13 out of the last 17, just with what they have now. So, no, the, no, the Big Ten is not their equal and is not necessarily going to be their equal. No. Now, to be clear, the Big Ten and the SEC are in a tier unto themselves, right? I would put the SEC yes. at one, the Big Ten at two. Big drop-off, and then the Big 12. But the Big Ten has... Look, if the Big Ten was an airline, I would be so much more bullish on them as opposed to the SEC. I can go from New Jersey to Seattle to Nebraska. That's amazing. Right. But when it comes to what the SEC is offering, I'll give you another statistic, right? Since 2007, I saw this number from Peter Burns, I believe. Since 2007, both in basketball and football, total championship tally... 19 for the SEC and one for the Big Ten, including the schools they've added. If we're going to talk about championships, let me mourn just a little bit for the Pac-12, which is now no better, honestly, than the Patriot League, given what they were. <laughs> this was one of the great football and basketball conferences. 
USC, nobody was better than USC in football. Nobody was better than UCLA in basketball. And, and they had glamour, and they owned the country yep. west of the Colorado River. They owned it. And now they're Kodak. Now they're Blockbuster. <laughs> they, don't, they don't exist, and, and it's because they were not treated well by the people who were supposed to run the conference, and those people mm -hmm. were myopic, and they didn't see this coming. Yes, they were going to eat the Big 12. Now that's been reversed. And I guess the Pac-12 ended up dying, Tony, as it lived, which is to say almost overnight as the East Coast woke up to realize, oh, my God, a lot of stuff happened with the Pac-12. But I suppose we should move on to another West Coast story because Shohei Otani's middle finger has cramped up. It cramped up last night. The Angels two-way star was throwing a shutout at the time. And so he stopped pitching after four, but he stayed in the lineup, hitting his 40th home run in the eighth to give a 3-1 lead to the Angels in a game that the Angels, of course, ended up losing to the Mariners. The yeah. manager of the Angels, yeah. Phil Nevin, said of Otani's injury, quote, it's a finger, so I'm not overly concerned, end quote. And so how concerned are you, Tony? I mean, I, I, I think it's reasonable to expect that if you have cramping in a finger, that will resolve itself rather quickly. But this is the third thing with this finger. It follows mm. a cracked nail on this finger. It follows a blister on this finger. And now cramping. This is the same finger. So at some point, reluctantly, though they will be to do this, the Angels are going to have to go to a hand specialist and say, what do we do? And what if that hand specialist says, Shohei, you got to stop throwing the baseball for a while. Okay, uh, that's not great. I would be more concerned about what has happened lately to the Angels. I think they're 0-3 since the trade deadline. Yep. Shohei Otani hit a home run last night that went for naught. They lost in such an excruciating way. Uh, they got a grand slam against them in the top of the ninth inning. And, and I wonder, is Shohei Otani suffering from fatigue? Are the rest of the Angels suffering from fatigue? Do the rest of the Angels look at what has happened just lately, just lately, including last night, losing to a team that is just above them in the wild card race? And do they say to themselves, I'm not sure we can get there? I think they say to themselves that it feels like God himself is extending his middle finger towards them. Tony, they did what we wanted. They went all in. They yes. decided to say, you know what? We have the best player anybody has ever seen. Let's see if, in fact, he can be anything but Sisyphus, rolling a boulder up a hill only to get his liver pecked at by some eagle. Like, what we're watching, Tony, is a guy who, even in this game, four total bases, I believe, a home, just getting on base four times, a home run, a steal, uh, shutout innings. No one's done that in the live ball era, and he did it despite the cramp in his finger. And so this is not even about the Angels at this point. To me, to me, I respect their pain, but I'm just selfish. I want to see Otani in the postseason, and it seems like we're not going to get it at this rate. And that part, that part is heartbreaking. I love that you use the myth of Sisyphus. That is so impressive to me. And the eagle that pecks at his liver. Was that Iron Eagle for sports references? <laughs> Was that him? We move on. Last night, Diana Taurasi became the first WNBA player to get to 10,000 points. Taurasi did it as her Phoenix team beat Atlanta, and Taurasi scored 42 points, her highest total ever in regulation. Pablo, Diana Taurasi's 41 years old, way older than you. So which is more impressive, yeah. the 10,000 or the 42? Intuitively, I'm the guy who says 10,000 is just a round number. Don't get fooled by it. That's not a marker for greatness. However, when you look at the second leading scorer, Tony, who is active in the league still, 
they're almost 3,000 points behind. And so what this tells me is that there is a career recognition moment that we have to seize here. Diana Taurasi is, in fact, the greatest player in the history of this sport. That is what Sue Bird, her former college teammate, once told me when I asked who her GOAT was. Without hesitation, she said Taurasi. And a number like 10,000, as round and convenient as it is, it's a summation of a career unlike any other. Yeah, I have sat here on this show for a lot of years, and I've said Diana Taurasi is the greatest female basketball player of all time. Will Bond has countered very often with Cheryl Miller and sometimes, I believe, with Candace Parker. But Tarasi's resume is unparalleled. She has three national championships at UConn. She has five Olympic gold medals. She has three WNBA championships. She has six EuroLeague championships, seven Russian League championships. And just for laughs, <laughs> she won the Turkish League one year. I mean, nobody yeah. has this. And, and I tend to agree with you about the 10,000. But let's go back just for a second. There's only been one player in the history of the NBA to score 40 or more points at 40 years old or more, and that was Michael Jordan. He got 43 four days after he stopped being 39, four days into 40. So if you went backwards on the international date line a couple of times, he was really just 39 <laughs> years old. In a 40-minute game, she had yes. 42 points. You know, the last time she had 40... She was 28 years old. It was 2010. It's 2023. She, this is the equivalent of golfers shooting their age. This is the, the 42. It's, I'm almost <laughs> tempted point. to tell now you that, that you the 42 like that. is the bigger deal, right? <laughs> yeah, well, the present tense is instructive because it's I, the, the context I did not appreciate until you explained it like that, A. But then B, it's the fact that she has made the postseason all these years in a row. And I know they're struggling right now, Tony. But the fact that in the present tense, she is as good as she's ever been, certainly mind-blowing now that you mention it. Yeah. It is. It's, it, it, it's, it's completely remarkable. Let's take a break. Coming up, how big a deal would it be if Team USA loses to Sweden on Sunday? And what's the word for the Oilers hiring Connor McDavid's agent as their new CEO? Again, myth of Sisyphus. It's very good. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I've been waiting. If you for want, I can, I can counter with what Cassandra. You, you know, profit. Oh. You know, without honor, and nobody yeah. believes anything yeah. said. Yeah. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two. Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code PTI. That's code PTI. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today.
Vivid Seats. Experience it live. It would be blank for the U.S. women's national team to lose to Sweden in the knockout stage Sunday morning. It would be disheartening, not catastrophic, not unexpected, okay? Disheartening. Everybody out there and their mom who's writing or talking about this is saying that we're not as good as we were. So if we lose to Sweden, which, by the way, is ranked third in the world, everybody out there and their mom are going to be able to say, I told you so. Nobody is writing the following sentence. We're the best by far. We're going to breeze. We're going to win a third World Cup. That, that's not what's happening. Sweden, if I recall correctly, is the team that in the most recent Olympics beat us 3-0. Sweden mm -hmm. walked out with silver medals, and we walked out with bronze medals. So, it, so the last five times we've played Sweden, we have won once. We're 1-2-2 one, two, two against Sweden. Let's, let's not make Sweden into the Faroe Islands here. They know exactly <laughs> what they're doing, and if they beat us, you know, I think it will be disheartening, but I don't think anybody's going to say, how did that happen? I just don't think that's true. And by the way, so, one other thing, Pablo, if we yeah. lose, that will be the last game coached by Vlatko Andonovsky on this squad. <laughs> and I like that it's at 5 a.m., so presumably you might be able to watch Vlatko's last game, Tony. That's a key All detail for you. So. I understand your point. I get that, yes, Sweden was the team that in that Olympics in Tokyo snapped the U.S.'s 44-game unbeaten streak. All of that is so. But my word for this is nonetheless psychic death. Yes, I'm going young on you. I'm going Carl Young on you, Tony. And I'm going there because this is not so much about the perception from the outside. It's the story you tell yourself about yourself. And Vladko aside, I'm concerned about the exceptionalism that the U.S. has built, right? You have a second unit, a depth chart that is better than anyone else's first unit in the world. You're the United Bleeping States. And you're gonna go to the first round of the knockouts, really? Psychic death, mm. ego death, all of that. Yeah. I like that you went Carl Jung on me and not Chase Young on me. I can stand <laughs> up to Carl Young. What's next? It's blank that the Edmonton Oilers have hired Connor McDavid's agent as their CEO. It's sagacious. It's a mm. combination of strategy and being shrewd and terror at the same time. Because what Edmonton is doing here is trying to avoid the catastrophe of Connor McDavid at the end of his contract three years from now becoming a free agent. They, they don't want that to happen. How can they prevent that from happening? Now, as it is, Edmonton hasn't won anything with McDavid and Dreisaitl. But if McDavid loses, they have no chance. So the strategy is, let's plan ahead. Let's show this kid that we really love him. How can we do that? Let's hire his agent. Now, to, to be fair, the agent, let me get the name, I think it's Jeff, Jeff Jackson, is a yeah. former... NHL player, a former assistant GM at Toronto. He's not a guy they picked up in a parking lot. He's not. But, but this is the long-term move. It's done out of terror. It's done out of desperation. And if it works out, that's why I've used the word, it will be sagacious. Yeah. I'm going to go with a different word. I'm going to go with clutch. 
Clutch with a K, although the meaning of, of course, a move that might save your behind in a pressure-packed moment also applies for the reasons you alluded to, Tony. But I'll be even more blunt about this. Even if this dude was a guy they picked up off of a parking lot, I think they might be incentivized to do it anyway. Right? Like, that's how important this guy is. If Dreisaitl yeah. follows McDavid and McDavid follows his agent and his agent is just a guy, that feels worthy to me. Now, the CEO is a position that does not mean GM. And the GM there, we have questions about, will the CEO then slide into that job as well? At that point, maybe there are more warning klaxons being sounded about, is he really making hockey decisions? But to me, the whole point of having a team is so you get a guy like McDavid. I believe the Anaheim, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim should hire Shohei Otani's agent to be their CEO as well for about the same reasons. It's not a dumb move. I thought you'd be impressed with the word sagacious. I guess not. I was impressed by I that. Really hard no, there are some, some syllables. That's the final word. Let's take one last break, but still to come, Pablo breaks down the Browns' win over the Jets in last night's Hall of Fame game. And Lionel Messi, Tony, his first road game is a bit of a tough ticket. Oh, you didn't call him Leo. Did he give you a call and say, we're not that close, you can't call See, me Leo? that's the syllable you object to the most, I've noticed, over this last week. Yeah, the single Leo <laughs> is the one you have the trouble. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Happy time, people. Happy 65th birthday, Mary Decker. History lesson, kids. In the 1980s, Decker was America's best distance runner. She was the 1983 world champion in the 1500 and 3000. And she was a big favorite to win gold at the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics. But in the 3,000, with a few laps to go, Decker got tangled up with Zola Budd, an 18-year-old born in South Africa and running for England, and running barefoot, by the way. Decker fell to the track and famously lay there in tears as the race went on. This was such a big story that a year later, a special invitational race was held in the Crystal Palace in London, which I covered. Decker won, but it seemed scant consolation to beat Budd then. Decker never won an Olympic medal, and her career was defined by that race. Tony, I learned a lot in what you just said, but you kind of yada, yada, yada over the whole barefoot runner part. Like, I could not wear boat shoes and walk home without having to stop because of blisters this week. And you're telling me that Zola Bud was running barefoot at long distances yeah. in the Olympics. Yes, I'm, t I'm telling you exactly that. Yes. Do you think I'm making this stuff up? No. Well, Happy anniversary, Tom Glavin. Around this day, 16 years ago, while pitching for the Mets, Glavin became the 23rd pitcher ever to reach 300 wins. 
Glavin won 20 games five different times. He won two Cy Youngs and a World Series with the Braves, posting a 1.29 ERA in two winning starts in that World Series. Since then, only Randy Johnson has joined the 300 club. The last five pitchers to get the 300 are Johnson, Glavin, Greg Maddox, Roger Clemens, and Nolan Ryan. Most people think 300 is unattainable now because starters don't start as often as they used to or pitch as many innings as they used to. The active leader in wins now is Justin Verlander with 250. He's still terrific, but he's 40 years old. Yeah, Tom Glavin, one of my favorite details about him is that I believe his first season he lost like 17 games and then turned out to be, you know, Tom Glavin. Just another lesson of like how you can start something and then wind up with a long career that's exactly the opposite. Happy trails, Anthony Rizzo. The Yankees have put their slumping first baseman on the 10-day injured list with post-concussion syndrome. The club believes Rizzo suffered a concussion in a collision with Fernando Tatis Jr. on May 28. Rizzo passed the concussion protocol at the time, but said recently he has noticed feeling more tired than usual. After a five-strikeout performance against Baltimore, Rizzo noted feeling, quote, fogginess. Testing revealed signs of cognitive impairment. Rizzo, who will be 34 next week, said he was concerned about missing pitches badly that he normally hits. The numbers tell a story. Before May 28, Rizzo was batting 304 with 11 homers and 32 RBI. And after May 28, Rizzo is batting 172 with one homer and nine RBI. Man. Tony, we talk about concussions a lot in sports. We don't often talk about the athletic performance element. What happens when you get concussed in terms of how you play? Anthony Rizzo, for that reason, is a really notable cautionary tale because that's what people actually care about in sports, how you play, not just the health stuff. One omission, Saints running back Alvin Kamara was suspended three games by the NFL for his role in a fight in Las Vegas in 2022, and we moved to the big finish at this point. The Browns beat the Jets in the Hall of Fame game. Were you impressed? No, uh, sorry to Kellen Mond, but no. Cole Hamels retired, Tony. Your thoughts on his career? He's a really good pitcher. I, he was the MVP of the World Series that the Philadelphia Phillies won. What I remember best is the first time Bryce Harper got up against him as a rookie. He drilled Bryce Harper deliberately. He had seen something about Bryce Harper that annoyed him when Harper was with the Nats and drilled him first pitch. Anthony Davis and the Lakers agreed on a three-year, $186 million max extension. Do you think that's a wise move? It's a necessary one, beating Jalen Brown's record that was just set. I just worry about dollars per minute for that guy. you got to sign him to that deal, but how many minutes will he play? The Capitals signed Tom Wilson, Tony, your boy, to a seven-year, $45.5 million extension. Is that a good move? Oh, he's a fan favorite. The Capitals have begun to lose and maybe miss the playoffs here and there, so they need the fans back. Last one, Lionel Messi plays his first MLS road game on Sunday against FC Dallas. What are your expectations? I'm bracing for a brace. He scored two goals, two games in a row. I feel like he's going to do it a third time. Wow, have you come around from the other side on that one? We're out of time. We'll try and do better the next time. I'm Tony Kornheiser. And I'm Pablo Torre. Thank you for watching. PTI is going to be off until Thursday, August 24th. Find me at www.pablo.show, of course. But for now, you're a sports center. Nothing says summer like seersucker, Pablo. PTI. Ooh.